Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast number 574 for February 7th, 2016. This is uh, Jeff, Jedi Jeff on the uh, Treks and Sci-Fi forums, and uh, this week I am guest hosting the podcast. Uh, like I say, it's been a while since I've uh, actually did a guest host. I did a guest host um, um, last year, I think in uh, uh, I think uh, somewhere in the uh, October or November time frame. I believe I did a guest host where I did a video cast where I talked about some of the Diamond Select uh, Star Trek ships. So it's been a while since I've actually did a um, actual guest host podcast uh, per se i've i've joined in on a few with uh, some other people but uh it's been a while since i've actually did one on my own so uh kind of looking forward to uh kind of getting back in the seat uh, this week and uh talking about um the ships of the force awakens uh i thought uh might be a good um idea to maybe just talk about some of the ships in the uh in the movie and uh you know give some uh detailed specs and things like that on them um it's not going to be overly um detailed it'll probably be uh more of an overview i suspect uh maybe in the next uh year or so um maybe uh get a few of the other uh people together like we did in a few of our other um uh ships podcasts ones where we talked about star trek ships or star wars ships uh, maybe get um, some folks uh, rounded up for that sometime down in the in the future, and um, uh, maybe maybe have a more thorough discussion on the ships. But uh, for now, I thought uh, just kind of um, go over um, kind of the ships that we saw in the Force Awakens, um, and uh, just kind of again, like say, give some kind of some thoughts about them, and then um, maybe a bit of details. But uh, anyways, before I get into that, I thought I would be kind of like Rico and uh, maybe would uh, touch on a few other things before I jump into the uh, main topic for the week. I guess um, talking about Rico, I guess I'd like to thank Rico for uh, giving me this chance to um, guest host a podcast uh, for him. Uh, Always appreciate uh, when I get that opportunity. So, um, you know, thank you, Rico. Um few things, I guess. Um, first, um, Happy New Year, I guess. Happy New Year, I guess. Happy New Year for uh, 2016, but also uh, Happy Chinese New Year's or Happy Lunar New Year's uh, as uh, the Lunar New Year starts on uh, February 8th. So um, just want to wish anyone who um, kind of celebrates that to, um, you know, enjoy that time if you do. And uh, all the best. Uh, this year is the uh, Year of the Monkey, so... 
that's my year. So, so I guess uh, hopefully that will mean that uh, it'll be a good year for me. I, I guess I'll find out uh, throughout the year. But uh, anyways, like I said, happy Chinese New Year's. <laughs> okay, some news, I guess. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of news. Not a lot of news, but um, a bit of news. And uh, maybe first off, I'll just um, talk a bit about the X-Files. Um, as probably a lot of people listening to this podcast um, are aware uh um, the X-Files is back for uh, what they say is uh, season 10, a uh, short uh, season of uh, six episodes. And um, so far we've had uh, three of the uh, six episodes. And uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, um, from a ratings uh, perspective, uh, it's doing quite well. Um, I'm getting lots of viewers and uh, for the most part, uh, people seem uh, pretty excited about uh about the return of uh, Agent Scully and Mulder, and uh, like I say, I, I think I, I've been enjoying it as well too. So, um, like I say, just thought I would mention that. That's probably the most primary uh, piece of TV that I'm watching right now. I have a few other shows that I watch, but um, they're kind of piling up on my DVR right now. So I, I kind of need to uh, get watching them. But um, when uh, X Files. Um, uh, came back. I said, oh, I can't wait. I got to watch these ones." And uh, overall, I think um, I think so far it's been pretty good. Um, I'll admit that I found the um, kind of the first episode. Um, I didn't really get into it, I guess per se, uh, as much as I was hoping to. Uh, it kind of felt a bit like the uh, the last movie a bit in in a sense that uh, just it was kind of a departure, I guess from you know, what we had come to expect in the TV series. Uh, and that first episode was kind of uh, that way as well. You know, both uh, Scully and Mulder were kind of off doing kind of their own things. Um, neither of them really um, officially um, associated with the uh, FBI. And so it kind of had that, uh, I guess it was kind of, um, it was an episode to kind of um, move them back or bring them back into that uh, that kind of world. So, um, like I say, it... Maybe it didn't catch me as as much as I was hoping to, but it did sure leave off with uh, some interesting things to uh, consider, and they kind of really uh, shook up the whole uh, X Files universe. Um, actually, I, I quite enjoyed the um, the past uh, two episodes as well. They've been more kind of those kind of classic um, standalone X Files episodes. Uh, just uh, I think those were always the ones I really enjoyed the most with the X-Files back in its original run were, weren't really the ones that were the, um, kind of the overall arcing ones or the mythology of the, uh, series. It was kind of those, uh, one-off ones, which, um, I always enjoyed. And those were always the ones which were the most memorable to me. And, uh, we had, uh, like the second one was, uh, it was pretty good. Uh, like I say, it would, like I say, it kind of like say it. It really um, threw back to like say the original X Files and uh, saw some real creepy stuff. And then this, just this last one, um, you know, like I'm not sure what the the next three um, episodes are going to be like, but um, like say that last one was, oh, it was like some of those um, classic X Files ones where it was um, it was a little more lighter and just just the whole way that uh, it came. Uh, came through and um how it played out uh just wasn't was a you know kind of uh yeah it just really surprised me in a real good way and uh, i thought it was just a great episode i guess it had a lot of callbacks to the uh original series um with uh you know a lot of like kind of uh easter eggs and things like that uh, hidden all over it and references and 
things like that. And I have to say, I like I say, I really, uh, really enjoyed that last episode. Uh, looking forward to this uh, next one as well, too. But um, like I say, X-Files, it's been uh, really great. I'm sure next week um, when Rico's back, I'm sure he's going to uh, touch more on X-Files as well, too. I, I, I'm pretty sure he'll have some thoughts on that. So I'll probably just uh, end my X-Files talk right here. Anyways, and uh, some other news, uh, maybe um, some Star Trek news. Uh, in late um, late in uh, January or whatever, it seemed like they uh, started to um, really get going on this uh, Smithsonian um, restoration of that um, kind of that uh, original uh, Enterprise uh, that they had on display there, the one that they used for uh, for the filming and things like that in the original series. Uh, um, like I say, it, it had been at the Smithsonian for um, quite a few years, I guess. Um, and I guess, uh, like, it was kind of uh, showing its age, and I guess uh, as well too, it, it had gone through some restorations in the in the past. And um, I guess maybe those restorations weren't the best restorations, and uh, like I say, maybe it wasn't totally reflective of um, how the Enterprise was that. Or, Enterprise was in the uh, original series when they were um, filming it. Uh, so anyways, uh, um, earlier in uh, 2015, they um, they embarked on a um, project to uh, restore this uh, Enterprise, and uh, they brought in a lot of um, a lot of people who had uh, connections to uh, Star Trek and uh, were kind of authorities, like model builders and just um, uh, authorities on the um, on Star Trek and. And it looks like now they've finally actually gotten down to working and they've um they've basically uh, taken the um the enterprise and they've um basically um taken it apart i guess all the different pieces apart to uh start kind of uh, repairing and uh um rebuilding the uh restoration and um i was uh looking at some news and on the uh trek core site um they actually had a couple um interviews um with a, a couple of people who were um, uh, involved in the um, project, um, first up was an uh, interview with the uh, the curator of the um, of the project, and uh, she had uh, some uh, things to talk about um, regarding um, like uh, some of the photos and reference information that they they were uh, gathering for this. So uh, I got the audio from that, and I'm just going to play it right now. Structural issues, aesthetic issues, we have a lot of both. So we've done a ton of research and found just images that nobody else has had access to. Things that have only really come to light in the last year because um, people have been so generous to the Smithsonian and really looking for things. We knew that the Enterprise model had been on display at Golden West College in California in 1972. And this was a bit of looking for a needle in a haystack, and we weren't quite sure there was a haystack. Um, but somebody took pictures when they were there, um, and Trek fans save stuff. We actually were able to find color pictures taken on Kodachrome slide film of the model so that we know exactly what it looked like in between the time when they finished shooting in August of 1967 and when the uh, model came to the museum in 1974. Color images, which we had never seen before. And, uh, a lot of the pictures at the time are really taken in black and white. So we've gotten very good details, but we haven't always been able to get a color signature or to get a look at the color detailing. 
Some of those images will be available in the museum's archives, and the permissions for use of them will vary. Uh, we have had a lot of um, number of images that have been generously donated for the research purposes that may not become public, uh, but that are helping us to reinforce decisions that we're making. And it's really, if we have any prime directive, it is that we go back to primary documents when we try to make our choices. So that was uh, kind of uh, interesting, um, you know, uh, um, talking about uh, kind of tracking down these old uh, photographs, kind of like on, uh, like on a film and all that, and you know, kind of going into some of these uh, collectors and Star Trek fans' uh, archives to um, to kind of get these uh, photos so that they had, uh, you know, some uh, reference uh, material um, while they uh, their res- restoration um, of this uh, this uh, great ship, the uh, Enterprise. Um, uh, next uh, video I'm going to play uh, is they're, they're talking to one of the um, one of the the people who's working on the um, on this restoration, and uh, he's talking about um, the deflector dish and uh, uh, some of um, how they're going to approach that. So uh, here's uh, the audio uh, from uh, that video as well. You know, from from previous restorations, things are always a little bit off, and, that, and that's that's one of the achievements of this final restoration that we're, we're calling it, because really with the advisory committee, we are able to sweat every little detail about this model. And one of the things that we noticed was that um, the, the replicated dish that was put on about 20 years ago is slightly off. It's not quite right. Um, so we have somebody on the advisory committee who's created all these CAD drawings, which are absolutely accurate, perfectly scaled. And so it's amazing with some of the, the technology we have today, we can make these 3D uh, uh, models to basically try out, see how it looks, see how it fits. Uh, and this is just an example that some of the folks from ILM made for us um, to play with and, and sort of see how things are going to come together. So this is just a mock-up. Uh, the final uh, uh, saucer or dish will be um, uh, made out of acrylic like it was originally. So it wasn't bad, it just wasn't quite right. It wasn't, it wasn't exact. <laughs> Again, uh, kind of interesting uh, stuff there, uh, what he was talking about. Uh, kind of interesting that they uh, brought in uh, some something like uh, ILM to kind of help them out. And, uh, you know, they're using some kind of modern tools to, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, restore this, uh, this, um, great, uh, um, ship and, uh, kind of, uh, just interesting. Uh, part of me always thinks too, it's always a little bit sad that, uh, sometimes, um, restoration means you have to, um, replace parts on things. And then it's, like say, then it's not really that real thing. You always kind of get that. Uh, sometimes you watch those um, those old um, those those restoration type shows, which you'll see like on the uh, History Channel or something like that. And you got all these um, different uh, kind of different viewpoints on them because they'll have um, these shows where these guys will go out and they'll be like picking stuff, and like say they just want um, they want something which is original. And uh, if the condition isn't that great, then um, you know. It's uh, original is kind of the um, kind of the big thing on that, and then you got those other shows like the uh, restoration shows where um, people bring um, old items and they'll get them restored. And I'm kind of like hit and miss on that. In, in one hand, it's kind of cool to see what uh, these things would look like when they originally um, came out, but on the other hand, part of me goes, well, if you end up um, fabricating new parts or things like that, then how original is it anymore? And like, say, even painting it and all that kind of stuff. So, part of me is just like, yeah, it looks cool, but on the other hand, it's you know not exactly the original. 
item anymore. But I understand with this enterprise, you know, over the years, you know, some pieces, you know, they replaced them and they're not, they're not accurate or whatever. So they don't have the original parts anymore or, or those original parts have degraded so much that they have to just fabricate new parts. So I guess it's a bit of a trade off, I guess, in the, in the end is that, uh, you know, like this, you know, the original ship, it just, it isn't going to last forever. Um, so they have to go through these projects to to restore it, and and part of that is is actually like fabricating new parts. But I guess if they do it as um, so, it's as close as um, possible to the original. Uh, at least when you go and you look at it, and uh, you see it, you know it might not be the original part, but it'll be like a, like you know like a really close representation of of what that was. So um anyways like um it's a real interesting project. I'm kind of uh jealous that uh you know there's people out there who actually get to uh work on projects like that. You know, I go to work each day and I work uh, in the IT uh, industry and uh for the most part it's it's not all that interesting, but to think that these people get to go and they get to restore um things like this enterprise is just like oh, I just wish I had a, a skill set like that that I would be able to do something like that anyways I, I think i've maybe um rambled on a little bit too much about a new segment and i should probably get into the uh, main topic of um this podcast um so anyways uh without further ado i'm going to uh, jump right into it right now and uh like i said off the top uh I'm going to be talking about um some of the ships from the uh the new Star Wars movie The Force Awakens. Um like I say I'll say off first off um when I saw this movie the first time what kind of really hit me was um the lack of ships there, the lack of variety of ships. There were a lot of ships like in the um in the battle sequences and all that kind of stuff. There were like a, a lot of uh X-wings and tie fighters and all that, but uh a real lack of uh, variety of of both those um, types of ships, but also a a bit of a lack of uh, you know variety of uh, overall of just you know like shuttles and support type ships uh, from both sides. Um, and they've kind of explained it a bit. Um, they didn't really um, straight out explain it in the movie. Uh, you have to kind of look through some kind of reference material and maybe read the novelization things like that to kind of maybe get a better idea of um, kind of the state of both the um, kind of the resistance and also the uh, First Order um, to kind of get an idea like uh, what we saw for uh, ships in this movie. And I guess maybe I'll just do maybe um, a short little kind of explanation, I guess. Um, I, I suspect a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast of probably already heard some of the explanations on um you know kind of uh you know the uh political um layout i guess of the uh, star wars movie at the time of the uh, force awakens basically um uh, after uh return of the jedi um you know the empire was kind of uh you know the death star was destroyed and the it wasn't um i guess uh you know the next day you know the, the rebels and the republic are back in charge it it was a bit of a process for um for them to kind of um i guess uh get to the spot that uh, the republic could uh begin to rule again um you know like the galaxy is big and you know the empire had its hooks into different planets and systems and the republic had influence in 
others. So it took some time and it was a bit of chaos. But um, I guess anyways, over time, uh, there's remnants of the empire and, and they got smaller and smaller, I guess. And then um, I guess, the, like say, this first order kind of, um, I guess they kind of grew out of um, maybe some of these remnants and and then they kind of uh, moved off to like um, kind of an outer part of the galaxy um, to kind of, uh, I guess, in a sense, kind of rebuild, I guess, in a sense, um, you know, because they're also tied down to like kind of agreements between the Republic and um, like the Empire, this First Order, that they're going to kind of uh, cease, uh, sound like cease armament buildings and you know, building up like forces and things like that. So that might kind of be a bit of an explanation as well, too, that why there wasn't um, quite the variety of uh, starfighters and, and, you know, ships for uh, for war, I guess, in a sense, and that I guess they're supposedly in kind of a time of peace, even though it, it took some time to get there. But um, I guess the need to... Um, need to to do further uh research and development into um into kind of uh, war machines might not have been as much of a precedence anymore because there wasn't really that threat or at least the republic wasn't aware of that threat um so so i think they they just didn't do as much um research into that and uh like i say so that kind of speaks to like maybe you know what we ended up seeing in the in the movie and uh like say i'll i'll touch a bit more on it i think uh more so from the um the resistance side um like say things look pretty spare sparingly um like say when like say when i first saw the movie like the first uh few times before i was really able to like say read some more uh background information it really stuck with me that uh yeah they just they were quite the um limited uh organization i guess as well too uh from a political standpoint the um there was a republic and then there was a resistance and the resistance was kind of like kind of a arm's length i guess to the republic in that uh they weren't officially um with the republic um but they were kind of being like kind of funded by the uh by the republic kind of like um kind of uh like under the table in a sense and that, i guess that's what it incensed the uh, first order so much was they said oh you know we had agreement with the um you know with the republic that uh you know we you know you know that they weren't going to do these these types of things but here they're re- funding this resistance and this resistance is like attacking us but i guess on the other hand you know the their first order first order is really just building themselves up so they could uh launch an assault on um on the Republic as well, which, uh, they did in the movie. So I, you know, so is, I guess both sides were kind of, um, kind of, uh, got, had their eye on each other and preparing, uh, preparing for these showdowns that we, we did see in this movie. So anyways, um, so that's kind of, uh, so this whole political thing was kind of, um, what kind of led to kind of, um, I think in a sense, what we saw for, uh, ships in, in this movie and, uh, like I say, I, I, I believe that, like I say, a, a lot of that, again, you know, kind of got explained in um, maybe um, other material and not kind of directly in, in the movie, um, either good or bad, um, I guess, uh, depends on how you view it. Um, you know, some people felt the prequels were a little too heavy on uh, politics and not enough on, uh, you know, just action. And uh, these movies, uh, there was politics there, but uh, it was 
really not all that apparent. So you had to kind of uh, read through uh, this information. And I guess uh depends on how you view it. I guess if you're going to, uh, and you're looking to have a good time at the movie and you don't want it to get bogged down in a bunch of uh, dialogue and exposition about, you know, the state of the... Um, of the galaxy, then I guess, uh, you know, just picking up on this kind of uh, information after the fact is kind of where you get it. And I guess with things like with the internet and all that, now they can kind of um, put that information out now where in, in the past, like when the original Star Wars movies were made, um, you know, there wasn't an internet or anything like that. So, you know, they might be able to put that like in a novelization or something like that. But um, as well too, that would only get to the people who actually read the books and, uh, like I say, it wouldn't get to to everyone. So, so now they're able to kind of fill in some of the um, some of those plot details. Uh, again, not uh, not forgiving the uh, the movie makers for uh, you know uh, ha- forcing people to have to go out and, and read additional stuff, but uh, it does seem like there is uh, other um, avenues to um, to get information out there. But anyways, um, let's get to the ships. I've talked too long about. Uh, other things so we'll get to the ships and i think i'll start off with the uh, first order because there's just more ships to talk about for the first order and again this will be more of a brief kind of overview more so than um an in-depth talk like i said uh, I, I would sure like to um to follow up on this uh subject um at, at a later date um with uh with some of the the guys that uh that I had uh, done the uh, podcast before on the uh, Star Trek and uh, Star Wars ships because uh, uh, they all had such uh, great information. So, um, like I said, I certainly um, I couldn't cover it all off right now. And also, too, we're we're really only dealing with a you know a bit of information. Like I say, I'm just basically going to go off the information that has been provided in the, kind of the um, in a couple of books. Like first, the uh, visual dictionary. Um, like I say, uh, they had some information about the uh, ships in it, but mostly um, kind of the uh, this uh, cross-sections uh, book um, as well. And um, I picked up uh, both the uh, Visual Dictionary and the cross-sections book, also the Art of um, um, the Force Awakens, and um, all three of those books, uh, fantastic books with uh, a lot of uh, great information in them. So this is something that uh, you're interested in. I uh, highly... Um, recommend uh picking up um all three of those books uh, lots of good information in them but uh anyways um first uh, like say the first order and i'm gonna first talk about maybe um not the first ship i guess we saw but the second ship we saw in the uh, film um and that was the kind of the um, the stormtrooper transport i guess in a sense Maybe it wasn't the second, but it was one of it was one of the early on ships, uh, the stormtrooper transport. And uh, when they went down, uh, we first saw the ship uh, when they went down to uh, Jakku to uh, invade that village that uh, Poe was uh, in uh, getting the uh, map. Um, we saw this uh, stormtrooper transport, um, and it is um, its model is called the atmospheric assault lander or the AAL. So that kind of falls in line with the. Uh, all these other uh, Star Wars ships uh, over the uh, whole um, whole uh, sequel trilogy, prequel trilogy, original trilogy, you know, the whole Star Star Wars kind of uh, universe there, the uh, TV shows and all that, they always have these kind of acronyms, and uh, this one as well. So I guess it will be called the AAL, I guess. Um, and 
guess some information here from the um, cross sections book is it's uh, it's manufactured by a uh, company called the Sanar um, Jameis Army Systems. Um, it's uh, class is a troop transport. Um, it is uh, seventeen point eight three meters uh, in length or uh, fifty eight point forty nine feet. Um, it has a crew of uh, one pilot one gunner and it can carry up to uh, 20 stormtroopers um it also has uh one um they call it a senior giantess uh f70 anti-personal blaster cannon and uh that's kind of um kind of the details on this one uh, from the the data file on it um a few other things about it just um i'll have to say this ship I find it, uh, I, I get the design, I totally get the design. When I saw it at first, I go, yeah, that's a troop transport. It, it's very um, reminiscent of the old uh, World War II um, troop transports that you might have seen, like, uh, you know, the ones which uh, would have um, um, uh, stormed the uh, the beaches of, like, Normandy or something like that, uh, you know, where where uh, they all come up and then they drop down that kind of that front gate and then all the... Uh, all the soldiers would run out. This is kind of uh, similar, uh, similar to that, uh, more in a, uh, I guess, in um, you know, a Star Wars uh, presentation. But uh, I found it maybe a bit too reminiscent of those old World War II uh, transports. So, um, let's say I get kind of where they went from it, but on the other hand, too, it just seems so reminiscent of it that it wasn't really one of my favorite. Um, favorite uh, ships unfortunately a couple uh, interesting things to note like, like they said it carries 20 troopers and then um, one pilot and uh, kind of uh, near the back of the ship they have um, you know kind of a cockpit which kind of um, protrudes from the uh, top where the uh, the pilot kind of sits and he's kind of exposed in a sense um, he's kind of sitting in this uh, this uh, kind of this cockpit which sits kind of uh, above the um, above the rest of the ship uh, so that he can uh, pilot it um, and, uh, you know, get it down. And apparently um, they say that it should take them about, uh, I think it was they were reading that they, they felt that it should take about 30 seconds for uh, for the troopers to evacuate from it and then for the, the ship to leave. As well, too, they also have one kind of a gunner and it's kind of, um, it's kind of a hatch uh, which, uh, you know, a soldier or a stormtrooper would... Um, would uh, stand in and then he would man a, a gun and usually what he would do is he'd uh, provide kind of uh, cover fire while the uh, the rest of the troopers are, are kind of uh, debarking from the ship. Um, so so that was kind of the um, crew complement for this ship. Um, apparently they say as well too, it's um, according to the uh, extra information that it's um, maybe not the uh, most um, easiest to uh, to maneuver. So, uh, like I say, it's just kind of a big bulky ship. And, uh, like I say, um, those are kind of the details on that. Again, there's a lot of other, um, details on this, um, more so, um, uh, in the cross sections book. Um, they're just kind of, uh, pointing out a few different, um, things on it. But, uh, since it's a podcast and that's kind of more visual, um, probably wouldn't make a lot of sense, uh, for me to go through those. Um, so anyways, I think I'm going to go on to the next, um, next vehicle in our discussion so the next vehicle i'm going to talk about is um another first order ship and that's the uh, first order tie fighter and i think um probably um 
the most obvious thing that people are going to notice about this first order um, TIE fighter um, from the original um, TIE fighter that we saw in the uh, original trilogy is that the um, solar panels are uh, white um, whereas the um, the original trilogy uh, they were black and then the um, the uh, color of the uh, ship in the cockpit and the kind of the skeletal structure is uh, more of a black uh, compared to um, to the original which is more of a kind of a bluish grayish color so um, that is uh, that's kind of the you know visually that's uh, the difference but um, for the um, the TIE fighter and there's actually two classes of TIE fighter and I'll first just talk about the um, what they just uh, classify as the uh, first order TIE fighter um, visually it it looks pretty much the same but it's of course, you know, it's 30 years um, past um, the previous one, so there's been updates um, to it. Again, it's the uh, same thing, twin ion engine um, like the originals. Um, you know, uh, what else do we got for a uh, for some uh, data files here? Again, it's uh, also, it's, uh, it's, uh, its manufacturer is called the uh, Sinar Janus uh, Fleet Systems. It's called the uh, TAI um, FO... Uh, you know, fighter, so the TIE, and then the FO is for the uh, first order um, TIE fighter. Uh, it's a starfighter. Uh, the length of uh, this version of it is uh, 6.69 meters or 21.96 feet. Um, this one only has a crew of uh, one pilot, and also um, for weaponry, it's got uh, what they call uh, two um, it's, uh, SJFS uh, LS9. Point six uh, laser cannons. So I'll, again, quite similar to um, to the original um, um, Tie Fighter, I guess, in a sense that it, it's more of a kind of a combat um, type uh, vehicle, uh, and, and they don't put a lot of um, they don't put a lot of consideration into um, comforts of the ship. It's it's more for battle, and uh, you know it doesn't got a lot of shielding. Um, like I say, it's got a bit, but not a lot. And uh, like I say, it's more, you know, again, like I say, it, it's meant to, you know, for battle and, uh, you know, to, um, you know, give uh, give their pilot, uh, you know, kind of an advantage without having to, um, you know, sacrifice for um, uh, carrying uh, extra, you know, non-battle type um, uh, things. Like, you know, like your shields, you know, if you're going to have shields or larger size shields, you're going to need, um, you know, yeah, it's going to add to your ship and it's going to add to your maneuverability or speed and things like that so this again like say just like the original um it's a you know this is like the tie fighter i guess in a sense <laughs> not sure what i can say more um just look a little more in the uh what, what they got there uh, right up here about it um yeah again just um they're kind of in the uh cross-session cross sections book they're kind of going over again you know kind of you know like uh, a bit of the history of the ship and you know how it it uh you know how it, it came you know how you know you know how it was from the empire and now you know this is a first order ship and uh you know kind of what it represents like i'm not sure much more i can talk about this one again um uh, there's a few other things like say that they have in the uh, cross sections. Um, 
um, thing, which is really quite interesting. Um, they go through some of the uh, um, different uh, parts on it. Um, but again, a lot similar to that uh, original TIE Fighter. While we're on the discussion of TIE Fighters, we will move on to the next TIE Fighter. And the next TIE Fighter is the it's the uh, TIE Fighter uh, SF um, uh, version or model, I guess. And this is the um, this is the uh, Special Forces um, TIE Fighter. And um, you'll notice this one um, looks different in the sense that it's got kind of um, it's got some uh, red uh, markings to it that the um, kind of the standard um, Tie Fighter doesn't have, and it's a much more um, it's a larger ship, and it's a, it's got a lot more um, weaponry to it, and it's got um, better shields. Uh, like I say, it's like I say, there's only two classes of um, Tie Fighter in this movie. And uh, like I say, this is kind of the, um, I guess this is the, just the kind of the larger, bigger class of TIE Fighter. Um, like I say, in the original trilogy, you know, we had like the, you know, the original TIE Fighter, we had the TIE Bomber, and we had the TIE Interceptor. The U had a bunch of other um, different types of uh, TIE Fighters, and then Darth Vader had his kind of, as uh, a, TIE Fighter Advanced Prototype, but uh, here with the uh, First Order, so far we only got two. And um, I guess the, the data file, again, the Sanyar Janus uh, Fleet Systems is a manufacturer, not surprising. Um, like the model, they call it the TIE SF, um, which is the uh, Special Forces. Um, the size of it is uh, 6.69 meters, or uh, 21.96 feet. So it is a... Uh, it is roughly the kind of the, I guess the the same size as the um, as the uh, the original Tie Fighter or the other Tie Fighter, I should say. Uh, but it's just a much more um, bulkier um, ship um, as well too. Um, like we said with the other one, it was a single um, a single uh, pilot. This one's got two crew, two pilots. Um, it's got a pilot and then it has a gunner and I. We got a pretty good, um, um, we got a pretty good uh, demonstration of that in the movie when we saw uh, that Poe and Finn um, stole a Tie Fighter and they stole one of these SF ones and then uh, Poe flew it and then uh, Finn uh, managed the uh, weaponry on it. Um, for weapons, uh, it is a, um, it's got a lot more um, to it, I guess. Uh, it's got uh, two. Uh, Sanyar Janus Fleet's um, systems LS-96 laser cannons. And then we've also got um, a SJFS, um, which I guess is the Senior Janus uh, Fleet Systems. I guess that's the acronym for that. LB-14 dual heavy laser turret. And then um, they also have got, uh, what else do they've got? Uh, they've got a Kuwait Drive Yards Arachid ST-7 concussion and Megpulse warhead launcher. So this one's got um this one's got some uh it's got a lot more uh, firepower to it. Uh like I say it's carrying some warheads, so it's got a bit of a punch. So it looks like it might be in a sense it's a bit of uh you know, you know, the tie bomber, you know, I mean it's got some elements of that in it 
you know so this one's going to pack a lot of a more of a punch but as well too it's a it's a bigger uh it's a bigger ship so uh like i say it's not going to be as agile as the uh, as the standard um tie fighter also you'll notice with this one um uh, like I say, if you noticed in the ship that it's got these big kind of um, like uh, cogs on the on the side of the uh, on the solar panels, like because uh, you got the cock cockpit and then it, it um, you know you got your wings or your solar panels and they got these two big they got these kind of giant cogs on each side, and what those are actually are the um, those are kind of uh, for the uh, kind of the what is it the uh, a lot of the power and all that the where they keep their uh, um, power converters or converter coils and um, where they kind of, um, you know, because they're going to get the um, solar panels are going to to gather some energy. And then since uh, this one has, you know, like um, more more shielding to it and um, like say more kind of armor and weaponry, it's going to need more um, more power. So these, these big kind of uh, cog uh, type things are kind of where that power gets um kind of um kind of gets generated and then passed through the uh through through the fighter so when i first saw it i thought oh you know maybe these wings rotate or something like that but no it, these are just like these just big giant power cells i guess in a sense i guess um like say and it's just this is just like a just a big kind of heavier ship um like i say it's uh it's an interesting ship and uh like I say i uh you know, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Also, too, um, you know, it's a, a special type of uh, special forces um, pilot um, also uh, flies this. And, um, you know, like I said, the um, TIE fighter has a bit of a red marking on it besides the um, the black kind of um, ship and then the white um, solar panels. But uh, like I say, the, the pilots also on their um, on their uniforms, they've got some uh, red striping as well, too, to, uh, I guess, indicate that they're uh, special forces. So let's move on to our next ship. Our next ship is we're going to talk about the big giant um, Star Destroyer that we saw in this uh, this uh, movie. And uh, we only saw really one um, Star Destroyer, but uh, from reading some of the other, um, other material, uh, uh, the First Order has a lot more um, Star Destroyers as well too. So um, obviously they've got those... Um, back in uh you know probably in the in the space that uh that they're working out of um like I say they've they've got their uh more of these but we only saw all saw one and uh what we saw was uh was the ship which was called uh, the finalizer and it is a um it is a resurgent class star destroyer and it's uh it's a big ship it is uh two thousand nine hundred and fifteen Point eighty-one meters or nine thousand five hundred and sixty-six point two nine feet. So it's a it's a big, big ship. Um, also, it's got a uh, it's got a rather large crew. So uh, the first order has got a lot of people working for it, and uh, they've got nineteen thousand officers, um, fifty thousand uh, enlisted, and eight thousand um, stormtroopers. So that's a lot of people, a lot of people in this ship. So. Um, also, too, uh, the weaponry, they say, is over uh, 3,000 uh, turbo lasers and ion cannons. And it is, uh, like I say, it's a big, giant uh, star, uh, I guess, star destroyer, I guess, in a sense. So it's made by the uh, Kuat in Trella Engineering. Um, Kuat, uh, throughout the uh, Star Wars, um, you know, 
universe or whatever. Um, you know, a lot of the, there are a lot of ships that have been uh, developed by uh, Kuat. Um, um, so, like I say, this one is kind of uh, continuing on with that uh, legacy. Um, what else can I talk about it a bit? Um, we'll talk a little bit about the crew, I guess. Um, there was some kind of uh, interesting notes in the, uh, in the, um, the uh, visual dis dictionary about the, um, about the, uh, about the Star Destroyer finalizers kind of type kind of crew. I guess apparently um, a lot of the First Order um, is kind of um, based in these uh, Star Destroyers. So they said uh, actually a lot of their um, academies um, where they train a lot of their officers and all that kind of stuff um, are actually um, hosted on these, um, these, uh, these Star Destroyer ships. They don't actually have um, bases or uh, academies like on, on planets um, um, to do this, uh, a lot to do with, uh, I guess, you know, kind of, uh, based off of, um, you know, the empire kind of, or this first order kind of rebuilding and, um, you know, kind of their secrecy and all that, that, uh, they don't, they didn't have the opportunity like the empire did to, uh, set up a bunch of, um, academies, um, throughout the galaxy to, to train, uh, people. So, so a lot of the training was happening on the, um, uh, on the star destroyers actually, and they were saying also that actually a lot of the uh, crew um, may not have actually ever really um, ever been off um, off one of these ships. Like their whole life has uh, been based on these ships, and uh, that I felt was uh, kind of interesting. We kind of uh, got hints of that with uh, Finn, in that he seems to be rather um, uh, what's the term for it? Uh, he doesn't seem to have a lot of world worldly knowledge at times. Um, you know, and he's kind of led a kind of a sheltered life uh, from his uh, stormtrooper uh, training. So, uh, uh, most likely, I, I think uh, he was one of these people whose um, off-world uh, um, life was very, very minimal. Uh, a few other things about the uh, First Order crew is um, one thing about the you know they said some details about the First Order um, crew is like the bridge personnel. They were saying is that. Um, I guess apparently it's uh, it requires constant attention. I guess they say, and that um, as a result, each standard day is divided into six four-hour-long shifts, divided among three crew sections. Each section fosters a strong sense of unity and team identity. And you've, we kind of saw that a bit throughout the movie. That um, they're very, um, you know, people who worked for the um, first order are very conditioned, and it's kind of interesting that. Um, they have all these kind of uh, different uh, shifts, in a sense. Uh, that's kind of cool. Um, as well, too, they're kind of saying some of the um, some of the uh, display screens and all that on this ship. Um, I guess they they used um, kind of a simplified um, displays, um, which uh, they said that they also limited the colors on it, and that was kind of meant to um, allow for, um, you know, if they're in battle or they need to look at something quickly, they. You know, like since it's a, a simpler um, display and lesser colors, that they would be able to understand that information a lot, a lot faster, and um, they wouldn't have to, uh, you know, have to look at, at complex uh, displays to uh, find out what's happening. So it's kind of, um, kind of an interesting um, type of ship as well too. Just from what we saw in the movie, it was, uh, it was quite big. Um, it had kind of that reminiscent of the. Um, Star Destroyers that we saw, but also I noticed as well too that um, 
like say it didn't have that big giant kind of um bridge kind of um standing up from it like um the the previous uh versions had but um as well too it's it, it looked like a a lot more like the model looked like it had a lot more detailing on it um outer side than we ever saw in the originals yeah and this and again they're talking a little bit about the bridge here too is that, that they're much better protected than the uh, the exposed conning towers of the the old imperial warships so they have a lot of uh, sunken sunken workstations like we saw in the original and uh, I say the date and that they also said that the date designs back to the uh, Clone, War, Clone Wars era Jedi cruisers uh, uh, it seems to be kind of the uh, preferred uh, kind of um, architecture for this uh, um, that they've kind of continued on so that was kind of uh, interesting stuff and uh, like I say you know they kind of made note of it you know like I said again about the bridge um, it's not as um, it's not standing up and as out as much as it, as it originally did. So, and obviously it was kind of a bit of a conscious decision, I guess, in universe, I guess they said uh, to move away from that because um, I guess that was a bit of a, a bit of a weakness in the past. So that is the uh, finalizer, the big giant um, star destroyer that we got treated to in uh, this movie. The final uh, first uh, order ship I'm going to talk about is. Uh, I guess uh, Kylo Ren's uh, shuttle, and um, that was um, that was a foreboding ship, actually. Um, actually, it's probably um, probably one of my uh, kind of uh, more favorite ones. Um, it had a uh, you could see where it took maybe a little bit of its um, inspiration from the uh, the old uh, Imperial uh, shuttle, you know, the one with the the kind of the kind of the big wings and the uh you know the big top fin this one just really had two kind of real pillars of uh wings on each side of it and then just kind of a smaller type um kind of almost kind of flat in a sense uh kind of uh cockpit i guess or or ship or passenger compartment uh and then also too it kind of uh similar to the uh imperial one in that uh the ramp had you kind of had a front um a ramp that kind of uh, dropped down just below the kind of the cockpit to um, kind of uh, exit the ship. Uh, so I guess I'll give some uh, some uh, data on this as well too. Again, it is uh, this uh, senior Jameis uh, Fleet Systems is uh, the manufacturer, so they got a good contract with the uh, first order, I guess. Um, the model is the Upsilon class shuttle. It's um, Considered a uh, transport class, um, the height of it is uh, uh, 37.2 meters or 122.04 feet, with the uh, wings is extended. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a tall ship. And uh, crew is um, one to five uh, crew, and up to ten passengers. And uh, for uh, weaponry, it's got two. Uh, twin laser cannons on uh, each side and um i like the ship um i thought it was uh pretty cool i thought it was kind of cool how the wings would kind of uh kind of move around a bit and uh like say and they could um kind of uh move up and move down and uh like say i just uh i liked it i always liked the original um shuttles from the original trilogy uh, i like that the wings could kind of move around depending on how you uh um, 
how it was being used. And uh, like say this one too, it just had that real foreboding um, presence to it. So every time, uh, uh, like say uh, Kylo would show up, you'd see this uh, this uh, ship. It almost kind of like just kind of the way it would kind of enter, just kind of come in from like kind of behind. It's just like you know, it's almost like. Um, just the way, like, say, that original battle on Jakku, you know, it just kind of, like, kind of, like, just kind of slipped in there almost uh, within all that uh, battle. And then the same on uh, on uh, Takana with, uh, or Takadana, I think, uh, Maz's, uh, where Maz's castle was. Again, it kind of just slipped in there, and it's just such a foreboding-looking type kind of, uh, kind of a ship, and uh, just... Uh, I don't know. I really, I like this ship, you know, like, you know, from a physics standpoint, does it make sense? I don't know. Probably not. Um, but uh, just from um, just looking at it, it was like, wow, you know, this is, you know, for all my complaints that I had about that uh, troop transport, I really felt this one was quite a, um, quite a unique ship. It felt really Star Wars to me, I guess. Um, like um, the troop transport, uh the stormtrooper one didn't feel as Star Warsy to me, uh, in a sense. It felt more like, say again, like World War Two. This one felt like it was a new ship I was seeing in the kind of the Star Wars universe, and so I, you know, I really like this ship. And uh, like say, uh, like say, I'll t- just talk about a few other um, information here. They've got uh, a bit of uh, details here about the um, uh, about the ship. They say when the flight wings um, slant outward. Uh, that's to maximize the uh, the sensor uh, spread, I guess. So that allows them to kind of, um, uh, like I say, have, a, have better sensors. Um, wings collapse on uh, shock springs, they say. So I guess there's a bunch of uh, springs and all that, probably similar to the um, to the uh, uh, Imperial uh, Empire class uh, shuttle, I guess. Um, what else as well? Um, Here's a little brief description about the uh, wings, I guess. They call them the uh, protective wings, I guess. Um, they say upon in the um, cross-sections book here, upon landing, the command shuttle's wings swoop up and retract to half their in-flight height, encasing the long-range sensor arrays in the upper wings in protective armor. Powerful gears and shock springs protect both the sensors and the wings' wing structure against damage. The lower wings' reinforced armor and potent shield generators Protect the shuttle's crew cabin from enemy fire during takeoffs and landings when the craft is stationary and is most vulnerable to attack. So, again, um, this is a, like I say, the, the details in the um, cross-section book are uh, quite interesting. Uh, they, they kind of uh, point out a lot of little different details. And, uh, yeah, and it's just, uh, I'd say to me, I can't speak enough about this ship that I really like this ship. And that's kind of my talk on the First Order side of things. Let's move over to the Alliance um, Alliance side of the uh, table. First off, we're going to talk about the X-Wing for the uh, the Resistance here. And uh, some, some notes, I guess. Um, we s- see the uh, Resistance, and they really have a small fe- fleet, and they only really have one type of ship, at least for... Uh, for a kind of a battle and attack, and that is the um, is the uh, X-wing. And uh, what we saw in the original trilogy was the uh, T-65 uh, X-wing. Um, in this one, they've 
they've moved on to a model called the T70 X-Wing. And it is uh, created by um, Incom. Frytech uh, is a manufacturer. It is uh, 12.48 meters long or 40.96 feet long. Uh, the crew is uh, one pilot plus one astromech. Um, the weapons, this is uh, different in that they have uh, four Tame and Bok KX-12 laser cannons and eight uh, KR or Krupsk MG-7A proton torpedoes. And that's what they say is the uh, standard configuration. Um, so that's a little different, whereas the um, X-Wings before, they didn't have any uh, torpedoes. They just had the uh, cannons. Um, this ship now has um, has the cannons um, that the um, or not the cannons the torpedoes that the uh, the original ones from the original series uh, didn't have uh, as well too. They uh, indicate that uh, this ship is much more maneuverable and uh, faster. Um, like I say, they've got uh, like I say you know they've kind of redesigned it. Um, like I say, the wings are are a bit uh, redesigned um, from the original T sixty five. Uh, it's got more power. Um, in a sense, it's more of a, it's more of um, like say a, a good uh, like it, it handles a you know I guess it's more more agile and faster um, than the original X-wing. So I guess it, it's got some of the some of the um, characteristics of like the uh, I guess the A-wing I guess, and then also too it's got more of the firepower that maybe we would have seen from. Like the uh, Y-wing, um, I guess uh, I'm not sure. It's got quite the um, it doesn't got quite the the weaponry that the uh, the B-wing might have had, but uh, it's, it seems like it's it's got some components from both the uh, A-wing and the uh, Y-wing into this X-wing to I guess make it uh, that it's good in a dogfight, but also it's able to kind of take on big capital ships as well too because it's got some armaments to it also. So uh, I guess. Um, that kind of explains, I guess, a bit as well too, like why, um, why when uh, the resistance uh, attacked, that they didn't have more than just these X wings. Um, you know that this X wing is as a more, uh, I guess, well-rounded ship um, than the original X wing. Um, that said, uh, again, the uh, resistance is uh, kind of at arm's reach from the Republic, so they were basically and essentially getting hand-me-downed uh, ships. Uh, so these T-70s are actually, uh, you know, it's actually an older model still within Universe. Um, the Republic were, uh, were uh, using a ship um, which was called the T-85, which was actually a much more advanced ship and a, a much better ship than what was available to the uh, the Resistance. And uh, they kind of covered that off in um, uh, one of the uh, kind of the prequel books um, um, before The Awakening. Uh, they had a story about Poe, and uh, he originally um, started on the... Um, uh, with the Republic, and then he got recruited to the Resistance, and he was flying these uh, T-85s before, and then it was kind of a step down. I guess another thing with uh, Poe is uh, um, Poe uh, Po has a special ship in that his ship is is kind of black, um, where the other uh, ones are um, are either red or, or blue, and uh, Poe is known as kind of like, uh, what is it, uh, Black Leader? And in a sense, um, or black, I think he's Black Leader, and I guess... In a sense, he's kind of uh, in charge of um, of both uh, the red and blue squadrons, and um, um, blue squadron and red squadron both have, um, you know, they both have different um, mandates, I guess. Uh, 
I, I can't remember exactly which was which, but one is kind of more for um, more for kind of um, battle and attack, I guess, in a sense, and one's more for um, uh, I guess more uh, protection and all that. So they, you know, they have two different um, squadrons, I guess, and they have different mandates on you know what kind of uh, missions they would uh, run fly i guess though so when they went to attack star killer base so you know it's, you know they're gonna send all the the ships they have but uh normally pose in charge of both of these squadrons and these squadrons have different types of uh kind of mandates to them um so as well too we kind of got to see these uh these ships as well too um uh see them actually uh you know kind of battle in space but also battle kind of in the atmosphere which is uh something new um to Star Wars because uh, mostly we've only ever really seen uh, seen uh, a lot of battle just kind of you know in space we haven't really seen a lot of ah, you know like on planet or atmosphere uh, battle uh, except for things like you know like uh, snow speeders and things like that uh, from the original trilogy so it was kind of cool here to to kind of see uh, see that happen I think we may have gotten a, a few little glimpses here and there in the uh, prequel trilogy of like Jedi starfighters and things like that which might have done some uh, in-atmosphere fighting, but uh, and we probably touched a bit on it. There's probably been a little touched a bit on, too, in the, the Clone Wars as well, too, but to kind of in these movies to actually see, you know, like a TIE fighter and uh, X-Wing both uh, kind of battling, that was kind of uh, cool and uh, things like that. And then a couple other things, um, a couple other notes here about the... Uh, about the uh, about this flyer, they say the X-wing can scissor open their S foils to maximize their cannons' fields of fire and uh, shed uh, waste uh, heat during combat, um, which is kind of similar to what we probably saw in the original series or original trilogy. Um, four uh, fusel ion engines give the uh, T-70 its speed, but it owes its great maneuverability to finely calibrated retro thrusters with built-in electromagnetic gyros. Advanced in miniaturization, I'll get that out there, have allowed shipwrights to reduce the size of these components since the Galactic Civil War era T-65. So they're saying with some advanced engineering that they're able to make these um, these ships, uh, like say, more um, more maneuverable than uh, their their predecessors. Uh, what else? Uh, another uh, thought here. Uh, the Rebellion built its T-65 in X-Wings in hangars and dry docks hidden from Imperial spies. The New Republic has no such constraints, but the uh, but its demilitarization efforts and rampant corruption have steered the few remaining Starfighter contracts to well-connected manufacturers. The Resistance can build a few X-Wings of its own and instead must make do with fighters donated by the local security forces or lent by senators who share General Leia Organa's fears about the First Order. So again, uh, like we're talking about, uh, the resistance could only really get, um, get uh, you know, ships that were basically given to them. So unfortunately, they didn't have the, you know, they didn't have the best of the best. And it looks like a lot of the best of the best got destroyed when the, um, when um, the, um, when the planet uh, got blown up, the uh, the Hussinin, uh I know this, and I've just forgotten it. But you know where the the capital, uh, where the Senate was uh, stationed, uh, we saw like, a lot of planets in that system got blown up, and a lot of ships as well too. So interesting for the next movie to see where they go with that. I guess we'll go on to the next um, ship here in our discussion. The next ship I'm going to talk about is kind of this uh, Resistance transport ship. 
And this is the one that we saw Leia kind of uh, come in on, um, you know, when we first uh, met, um, when we first saw her in the movie and she met back up with uh, Han. And um, this was kind of this uh, kind of a, I guess it's like a transport ship, uh, which the Resistance used. So I guess it's kind of their version of the, uh, of a transport, uh, like I said, it's called the Resistance Transport. And then also um, it's, um, you know, it's their equivalent to the, like the Stormtrooper um, transport that uh, the First Order had. And uh, some data data file or data details on this one is it's created by a manufacturer called Slane and Corpil. Its model is a customized resistance transport. And its width is uh, 16.18 meters or 53.08 feet. Um, it's got a crew of one pilot plus 20 passengers uh, weapons. It's got one Gryhill R9X heavy laser cannon standard. So it's kind of armed, in a sense, kind of similarly to the um, to the uh, transport that the the First Order um, has. Uh, a couple. Uh, this is a kind of a real interesting um, type kind of uh, ship because it's it's kind of reminiscent in a sense of like the B-wing, I guess, in a sense. Um, it's got like they say an odd appearance, and uh, like I say, it's a cockpit is actually salvaged from a B-wing, which is kind of really interesting. And um, they say it's got kind of like a heavy laser cannon too, which kind of like a B-wing as well too. I guess in a sense, so I, I guess I'll make a correction from what I said that you know it it's a much more powerful ship, I guess, than the um, than what the uh, the first order have the first orders uh, stormtroop transport more just uh, you know take um, take um, um, soldiers down to the uh, to the planet and like say they had uh, you know one stormtrooper kind of manu- manning a gun but uh, that would all be kind of once you're on the planet because uh, you know the stormtrooper needs to be kind of uh, outside of the ship to man it whereas this one's got uh, armament that could uh, be um, used in a, a much more heavier cannon than what uh, the first order has. Um, but um, anyways, uh, here's some uh, a little more details regarding this uh, this ship. It's like kind of an interesting ship. Uh, what do they say here? The odd appearance of the resistance transports reflects their unorthodox origins and construction. The craft has been cobbled together by resistance technicians from a hodgepodge of systems bought, begged, and stolen. Parts ground from scrap B-wing Mark IIs have been um, fitted to the engine pods from Republic-era shuttles, attached to the civilian passenger modules and augmented with knockoffs of hyperdrives created uh, for the First Order. Techs bemoan the frequent breakdowns but keep these ungainly craft flying, knowing that they may be needed at a moment's notice. So yeah, it does... Um, it does... When they say that, it, like I say, looking at it, it does have a bit of that um, that look of the... Um, of kind of... Um, you know, the prequel trilogy kind of um, um, ships and how they've kind of taken, you know, parts from like a B-Wing and they've like kind of put it onto this this old style um, kind of like shuttles that they used to use like on Coruscant Corsic, Corsic, and, and things like that. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a cool little piece of trivia here. A few more things like say this one's actually got a lot of uh, kind of interesting little details here like... Uh, uh, something on the, the defenses. The resistance transport maneuvers poorly and depend on starfighter escorts to intercept attackers. 
Should this defense fail, however, the transports can put up a tough fight. The weapons pod features a surplus B-Wing ordnance uh, combining a heavy laser cannon with a precision target laser. Some transports add on add an ion cannon and proton torpedo launcher to its pod and the mount beneath the cockpit can accommodate two auto blasters. Deflector shield projectors removed from B-Wing nacelles protect the cockpit and the weapons pod while their overlapping field shields the passengers and compartments. So this is really like what they're saying. This is really a um, taking this B-Wing, taking the elements from a B-Wing and putting it into this shuttle, which is kind of a, a cool uh, cool concept there. Um, you know, I love the B-Wing, actually. It's one of my more favorite um, ships. Uh, would, you know, I, so part of me thinks this is really cool. The other part of me thinks, oh, I would would have really liked to seen like a, you know, a, you know, a, a kind of a future uh, take on what the uh, the B-wing uh, would have turned out to be, and uh, not sure I would have ever considered a B-wing kind of turning out to be kind of this uh, shuttle. It doesn't sound like it, uh, like it doesn't uh, really um, perform very well. Um, I guess as well, th this thing also is um, kind of. Uh, it's kind of a bear to uh, to kind of um, maneuver, I guess. It's not, it's not an easy craft to maneuver, and um, like I say, it uses um, a lot of uh, elements again from the B-wing. So, like I say, again, um, this is kind of a you know, I actually have you know just from kind of uh, reviewing this information, I've gathered a much more appreciation for this uh, this vessel than I I had in the in the movie actually, and uh, like I say, I did recognize some elements from the b-wing i just didn't know it 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 took so heavily from it and then you know it's just i i guess i kind of like that idea of taking those old prequel based type ships and taking these b-wings and kind of merging them together into this ship again like i said i would love to see like kind of a a newer type b-wing um but as well too i like that they kind of given a nod to that ship here i'm going to talk about one other uh, vehicle um today and it's not really um a resistance-based uh, vehicle. It's just uh, just something I thought was really um, cool. I and I'm going to talk about race speeder, and um, we see that at the beginning of the movie. It looks like this kind of this big kind of uh, I'm not sure how to describe it. It almost looks like kind of like a, like a ice cream bar or something like that. In a sense, uh, it's uh, just kind of this uh, crazy thing, and. Um, it's kind of a merge of a like a, like a speeder and a swoop, I guess, in a sense. Like a speeder would be like kind of like what uh, Luke had in um, in uh, New Hope, and then a speeder would or a swoop would be kind of like what Anakin was kind of like uh, puttering around on in um, in uh, like uh, you know like was it. Uh, Attack of the Clones, yeah, when he went off to to look for his mother, and uh, uh, I think this is really cool. And the kind of bit of the backstory on this is that um, this is all custom, eh? That uh, Ray put this together from a bunch of different parts that she found on uh, Jakku, basically. Um, that she assembled this all herself just from scavenging things. So, and also to looking at this ship. Or this uh, this swoop is it's like like the coloring of it and almost a bit of the style like it's more of like a bike compared to a I guess a car I guess in a sense so like I say you know one's a speeder and one's a swoop I guess but uh, 
you know, it kind of reminiscent a bit of Luke's in A New Hope, which uh, I think is kind of cool. Um, like saying, just some of the the details on this thing are are just just cool. Like, um, like they were just saying like something about the, like the uh, like the engines that she has. She has kind of like this kind of um, what do they say? It's almost kind of this kind of uh, almost dual type kind of engine, and it's more just for redundancy, more so than um, than actual, uh, you know speed or something like that um so that's kind of uh kind of the reason like i say you look at oh wow you know it's got these two big engines on it but she's she's made it more for for that redundancy um like i say and uh what do they what are some of the notes here um they have here um what do they say here at heart at the heart of ray's speeder are powerful twin turbojet engines reclaimed from a wrecked cargo hauler Ray mounted them in um, a stacked configuration, stacked configuration instead of side by side, and bolted them um, to powered amplifier intakes from an Imperial gunship. She then customized them with race swoop afterburners and modified the combustion chambers and an array of repulsor lifts taken from crashed X-wing starfighters. So she's taken a lot of things and she's put them all together and i just ah so cool like say i don't know just this you know looking at it you go i don't know it looks okay but just all the kind of the details in it are just so like they got all these little things they're saying oh you know here's a power cell from an atst and uh here's an afterburner from a crashed racing swoop and uh what else do they got here? You know, they've got some repulsor lifts from a T sixty five X wing, and uh, what else? Just looking around here, it's just uh, you know, wires salvaged from a X wing flight computer, and uh, what else do they got here? Just oh, it just seems like everything you know from like the original trilogy and all that, uh, just um, kind of salvaged and put into this uh, into this uh, this this ship of hers, you know, because it's a you know like. Jakku is this um, ship graveyard and it's just I just love it and then you know just the whole thing about Ray and you know how ingenuity how much ingenuity she had is just I just thought it was so great and uh, you know like I say she really reminded me a lot of Anakin in that sense that uh, you know she could build these things and um, and um, they had a book uh, again the Before the Awakening where they went through a whole story with Ray where she basically um found some uh, ship that uh, was pretty salvageable and then she spent uh, quite a considerable amount of time kind of rebuilding this ship with the whole idea of um, of taking it and uh, selling it so she could get a whole bunch of uh, portions or rations from um, Unkar Plut um, at the Nima outpost uh, and then she spent like this whole like it's almost like a year or something like that building this ship um, and then at the end, uh, some people which were helping her, in, in the end, just kind of basically uh, like took the ship or whatever. So, but it was just, just her ability to create these things. I just think is is just so cool. So, um, just I thought I'd like touch on this on this ship or on this um, vehicle, and like I say, I just I really like I write I like the look of it. I like the idea of it. Um, I like that it's a bit of a throwback to Luke's. Um, I don't know if that 
means anything and that maybe she's a Skywalker or something like that. I don't know. I just like that uh, it kind of reminded me of what Luke had, um, you know, in A New Hope. And uh, cool, cool ship. And I think that's going to be it for my talk on ships. There's a few others, like, um, you know, there was a few, like, uh, Snow Peter snow trooper speeders and things like that but they didn't really show up a lot um there's han's ship but we've talked about that before you know there's been some add-ons han doesn't like them so han doesn't like the add-ons i'm not going to talk about the ship and then also he had that big giant um kind of cruiser as well that big um kind of transport or whatever um kind of big flat huge one that uh, they kind of picked up the falcon on and uh i'm not going to talk talk about that this time around because uh talked a lot and i should probably uh get to uh wrapping up this podcast so anyways um thank you for uh you know letting me kind of run through these uh these ships uh kind of briefly uh, like i say i would like to uh, come back and uh once we get more information on these and um you know kind of come back with a you know maybe a bigger group of people and just kind of really discuss this and get people's uh, thoughts on it so hopefully sometime down the road that uh, the, we can do that because uh, I know the last time we did it was a lot of fun but anyways that was my talk and I think uh, I think I probably should start uh, looking at wrapping this up uh, anyways um, again I'd like to um, kind of thank Rico for uh, letting me have the chance to uh, guest host this week on this podcast and also I guess um, talk about what's coming up and I guess um, what's coming up next week is uh Rico is going to be back um, for a podcast. Uh, topic looks actually quite interesting. I'm kind of interested to see what uh, what what Rico's talking about. He's talking about uh, sci-fi romance, and it's that topic has uh, got me kind of uh, intrigued. To be honest with you, I'm not a big uh, romance guy, but I'm kind of interested to see what uh, what Rico is going to talk about. Uh, actually, I might actually have to uh, send him in a comment because uh, you know it just sounds. Uh, kind of interesting so I, I might uh, follow up with a comment on on that one because i've got some thoughts on some things but uh anyways uh he will be back next week um again with uh, our regular uh treks and sci-fi and um like i say i again like to thank everyone for uh taking the time out to listen to me uh this week on uh, this uh podcast about the star trek or star wars ships and uh just uh again want to wish everyone um all the best uh, so far in uh, 2016. I hope wherever you are, it's all great. And um, look forward to, uh, you know, what we're going to get uh, coming this year um, in movies, TV, life in general. I hope it's all good. You know, the 50th anniversary of Star Trek uh, is happening. Um, I sure hope, uh, you know, we get some exciting things. I noticed there's some, uh, there's a kind of a, you know, kind of a, tour of uh you know um, star trek music going around right now i think they're coming to my city so i'm definitely gonna have to um check check that out i, I know i think i saw i think chris went to uh see it and i think rico has discussed about he's gonna go see it so that's something i'm definitely interested in uh, seeing as well so a lot of exciting things coming down with star trek as well to the uh the new um star trek uh star trek beyond movie is coming out so uh uh, looking forward to that uh you know hopefully um hopefully that'll be good uh like i say I, i'm definitely looking forward to the uh, tv series that's coming as well and um all the other things all those marvel movies like the um the uh, captain america movie coming out um, excited about that um a few others uh, oh yeah the uh, batman and 
Superman. Excited about that. But I'm rambling on, so I got to close it off. So all the best, everyone. And uh, Rico will be back next week. Take care. Thank you.